So I want to welcome everyone to uh, Eastern Camp Missionary Day 2007. We're very excited. I think we have a perfect theme about Arise, Shine, and tonight we're going to talk, or I should say this morning, we're going to talk about some concrete ways that uh, that is being done, that can be done, and the ways that we can all get involved in shining in the corner that we're in. Um, before we begin, however, I'd like to just uh, take a moment to invite the Lord in our presence. So let's bow our heads. Almighty God, we're just so thrilled that we can be together with brothers and sisters here and that the flame of love and truth could flare up in our hearts. And we just pray that you would light a fire that would not go out come Monday morning, but would shine even brighter. Father, we pray that our hearts would truly respond to the incredible love you've given to us, and we would be on fire to let the whole world know. Father, we bless this morning, bless the words that we've spoken that would really uplift and encourage each one of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as a quick overview of uh, what we're going to be talking about today, we'd like to talk, start off talking about some of our domestic missions, the light that's being lit in the corner where you are, um, and then uh, a little bit about uh, helping our brothers in Eastern Europe, and then we were thankful to have uh, missionaries here from Paraguay to share about that. We'll have a recap of last year we sent out a work team to GOTM. We're going to see a video uh, recapping their experiences and the blessings they were and received. And finally, we uh, have our uh, missionaries from Papua New Guinea to give us an update on that. And finally, how to, you can plug into all that. So as a list of the, some of the candles that are burning, I'd love to hear more of your stories. And please come up to me and tell me about some more things that are happening. Let's go to the next slide. Um, about on the home front, um, we're thankful that uh, many of you are involved in helping out in the corner where you're at. And um, what we'd like to do this morning, just as one example, is to focus on some things that are being done in Toronto and Pelham Park. So I'd like to call up uh, Brother Mark and Sister Kathy to talk about that. The video is supposed to go in first. That's okay. Pelham Park is a story of, of a few brothers and sisters that want to shine a light in a pocket in a corner of the city of Toronto. Pelham Park is a story of answered prayer. Pelham Park is a story of, of God wanting to do something else than what we had in mind. You see, at first we wanted to, to have an effect and deal with adults. We thought we'd be dealing with sin-hardened adults. But instead, God had a different plan, and, and he sent us little children who really have a hunger to hear about God and to learn about God. It's amazing to see the interest of some of these young ones, the questions that they ask, the eagerness they have to, to be there at the Bible study. You see, we get together every Sunday, approximately at 5 o'clock. And for about an hour, we sing a few songs, and, and we have a, a Bible lesson. And then after that, we have a meal. 
And just to see the eagerness and the attention that they, are, that they have and the questions that they ask, the questions that Kyle or Chris or Lance or even Yasin would ask, just it's amazing to see that God is working in their lives. So just at this time, if we can have the video play, please. Pelham Park Playground yes. with no kids playing. I know. Where are, <laughs> Where are all the kids? Oh no, I still sleep. Let's come to Bible study. Hi. 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 How you doing, buddy? Good, 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 good. good. <laughs> There's Waka! What up, Carl? the excellent opportunity to be involved in this ministry from the beginning and um, I just wanted to share that it's been so awesome to see how the power of prayer um, is just so amazing and just it I don't think I actually realized the power of it until I actually got involved in this ministry and um, I'm just here just to share that you know I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that wonder where you could get involved 
just with service-wise, you see so many people that go all over the place, and um, God's called them to all these places, and you wonder, where is he using me, and how can he use me? And I just want to encourage you all that, you know, there are so many opportunities that are just around the corner, as you can even just see with our, um, the neighborhood of Pelham Park, where um, there's just so many opportunities, and they're just waiting and waiting for us to just take the initiative, and God will lead us there. So I just want to, again, like I said, encourage that don't think about your power, your strength, your ability, because it's all Christ, and it's all the Spirit, and just let him lead you. Um, with Pelham Park now, it's exciting this year. We're going to be having um, the kids go to a camping trip up north. Uh, just a little reward because uh, they, some of them have been really devoted and been coming um, every single Sunday. And uh, we're really excited about this because a lot of these kids, as you can see, inner city, a lot of cement, a lot of just, it's a rough neighborhood and a chance for them to get up, fresh air, um, be out there. We're excited because we want to have some character development activities, Bible lessons, and an opportunity for them just to really see Christian role models and um, have some relationships that are positive and um, just to give them a really eventful and fun time. So that's actually our plan in the next couple of weeks. I just have a few, actually three prayer requests. If you guys could keep that in mind for us, please. First of all, for the upcoming camping trip, my request is that you would keep that in prayer, that first of all, we are putting ourselves in a vulnerable position, going with some of these young ones, and that perhaps you could pray that we wouldn't be taken advantage of. Um, also, we pray that, and we would ask you to pray that the goals that we have set out would be achieved. Secondly, I, I would ask that you would pray for the kids at Pelham Park. Honestly, they're not really little children. Um, they're not that young. Some are 14, 15-year-olds. And as even Brother Dennis asked me to ask that you would pray for them, they're, they are being convicted. They're not that young that they can't give their lives to the Lord. Brother Dennis said he was converted at the age of 15. I myself, at the age of 14, I felt the call. And I knew what I, I needed to give my life to the Lord. They're not that young. And so I'd ask that you would please pray for them. That the Lord, that they would be convicted and that they would respond. That they would give their lives to the Lord. Some of them are coming to church. Some have visited at Weston. Some have visited at Richmond Hill. So please keep them in prayer. And then lastly, I, I ask that, that you would pray for more volunteers. It is true what the scripture says, the harvest is plenteous, but the labors are few. And a few months ago, we set up a, a link on the web page on Blue Wiki, and it's, you can see that through ACCNBC. We have a schedule that we can sort of put in our, our, our time slots well in advance, and we're even able to put a summary of what took place that day. And... I would just ask that, that you'd please pray that we would have more volunteers to help out. It's not easy. Some of us have other responsibilities. Some of us have to decrease so others may increase. And, and I would ask that, that you would please pray that there would be others that would that'd be willing to shine in Pelham Park. Thank you. Yeah. <clears throat>
it's true about the prayer requests. I, I remember asking one of the kids, Mason, and say, hey, where's Mason? I don't see him this week. He says, oh, uh, someone got hit by a car, so they sued, and now they can get out of Pelham Park. So we just pray that God doesn't let take advantage of, or God doesn't allow them to take advantage of us, but that we can serve them. Right now, we'd like to switch focus here to, uh, to Eastern Europe and how we can help some of our suffering brethren there. Um, as the scripture says, that as we have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to those of the household of faith. So um, what we'd like to talk about is a, just a quick overview of the history, geography of the region, and some of the projects that have been set up to help our brethren help themselves and get on their own feet there with uh, all the challenges they have. If you look at the map, um, these are the countries that have been behind the Iron Curtain, have really suffered. Uh, specifically, we're going to focus on Ukraine, Romania, and Serbia. And uh, so Ukraine, we are in the south, southern corner of that, and then um, uh, Romania to the... Ukraine is where we have some believers, and then Romania, we have so, some, a number of believers there. And uh, finally in Serbia, and going into Croatia, we have some believers there. And uh, you're probably fairly familiar with the, the history of, of our church beginning in Europe, and from Samuel Freilich through Ludwig Henschei and others, it spread very rapidly through, um, through the Balkans, through Eastern Europe, until there were hundreds of congregations formed in Croatia, Hungary, Romania, Serbia, Slovakia, and southwestern Ukraine, also known as Bukovina. To the degree that by 1900 we had, by some estimates, 800,000 believers in those countries. Uh, then we had some challenges. The world wars came um, because of our stance on non-resistance. Uh, a number of our brethren were not only killed in the wars, but... Uh, it, due to persecution, having to give their lives for their stance on their faith. Many then fled overseas, which is why a large portion of us are here um, through that. And after World War II, things got very difficult for our churches. As the Iron Curtain fell, there was an isolation from, and communication from the rest of the believers. Children were forcibly uh, um, under a system of atheism. Churches were closed, brethren imprisoned and persecuted. Economic uh, repression was targeted specifically to believers. So some of the challenges that we have, um, th then thankfully the Iron Curtain fell in 1989, but that was not the end of the problems for our brethren there. So even though uh, that problem was gone, we still wrestle with un high unemployment and uh, poor economies, and this is taking a toll on the churches as, as many members are leaving those countries because they're unable to... Um, get on their feet there and raise a family there. Uh, so the sister church has taken an initiative through their World Relief Committee to establish these self-help projects. So the self-help projects are, are in the philosophy you're all familiar with that's very effective that rather than giving a fish to feed someone for a day, you give them a fishing rod to feed them for a lifetime. And this not only helps the, our brethren economically with their, their needs, but it's a big help to the church spiritually as well. Uh, because they have children, and now our, we're starting to have young families, children, a future for our churches there. Um, the, our sister church is working specifically with steering committees based in Hungary for the churches in Ukraine 
and Romania and based in Serbia for, for Yugoslavia. And these committees then uh, look at any applications to see uh, how the need of the, the brethren and also whether it's economically feasible. It's like a, a business plan. And so then they have loaned in total. You can see the totals that they've loaned out here to the various countries, 175 in 22 loans in Romania, 296,000 in 31 loans in Ukraine, and to Serbia and Croatia, 137,000 for 78 loans. So I'd just like to, to point out how uh, Serbia, for example, has recycled their loans 1.37 times. What that means is that uh, if you gave a dollar to this fund, not only was it used by the initial people, but it was paid back one more time, and then, you know, 0.37 another time, so it's almost three times that your dollar has helped three different families. <clears throat> um, the uh, uh, challenges that we face then, of course, you know, the transparency, accountability, communication, these are things that are being worked on. We've setting up perhaps smaller loans so that we don't put them under so much of a debt and trying to increase the communication so that all countries can come up to that level of transparency and accountability. Uh, we know that there have been difficulties in the past and, and they are being actively uh, addressed and fixed. Here's a success story. Um, here's the, this family uh, from Serbia that uh, was given a small loan uh, no interest loan of $2,000 just for this brother to be able to uh, buy the tools of his trade. And uh, not only were they able to repay the loan itself, but they were able to pay a little extra to keep uh, the fund pool ahead of inflation as they, they volunteered to do. So considering examples like this, I'd like to ask if you, if you would hand, give uh, out your help a family like this, you know, consider the fact that not only would um, you help that one family, but that the money would uh, continue to be repaid and help families, and you'd have a perpetual gift in that sense. So if you would like to get involved in helping your brethren back in Eastern Europe, um, you can earmark. Here in camp, you have the option of simply uh, putting the money uh, marked Eastern Europe in any of the, the boxes in the back here or outside the dining room. Or um, if back at home, you can continue to give through uh, Jimmy Hodges through the ACCF market, Eastern European Self-Relief, or in Canada, you can go through the ACC and BC. If you'd like more information, you can contact uh, Brother Zoran Lisilov in Windsor, and here is his email asterisk, zlisilov at hotmail.com, if you'd like to have any information on that. Thank you. Buenos dias. Uh, muy bien, gracias. Uh, we are Ben and Vivi Schurns, and we're here from Paraguay, and we'd like to share a little something with you. Um, good morning. <laughs> um, es un gusto para mí poder estar aquí con ustedes. Uh, it's great joy for me to be here with each one of you. Um, y compartir con ustedes eh, las cosas que estamos haciendo en Paraguay. And we're really happy to be sharing um, the things that God and God is doing in Paraguay and the things that we're working with. Especialmente en la escuela um, que estamos trabajando. Yo soy maestra allí de cuarto grado. Especially in the school we're working with um, where I am a fourth grade teacher. 
Um, and we want to extend a special greetings from Karen and Oscar, who were unable to be here today because of um, some health difficulties, but they will be here tomorrow. Or, no, they will be here this afternoon. And um, so we can welcome them this afternoon, and they can be sharing with us as well. Um, for those of you who don't know, Paraguay is a small landlocked country in South America, has about six million residents, um, and it's a pretty poor country. About, according to some estimates, 32% of that is below the poverty line. So that's a general idea of where we're working there between Argentina and Brazil. Um, on Monday night, Dan did us a favor of telling a little bit about the story of Paraguay, how a young girl um, came to know the Lord. She went to study at the Peño Bible School, and then she worked with kids um, and her relatives. Vivi is actually the, um, her mom is Lisa Caballero's um, sister, or sorry, her cousin. So, um, and Lisa is still in our church today. Um, she's working with kids in San Pedro. There's a picture of her from last year. She's still a dear sister. Um, and the churches in Paraguay, just a quick overview, there's five churches in Asuncion on the left, um, in the bottom corner there's Asuncion, there's three churches in three neighborhoods, Lombardé, Vialisa, Isahonia, um, there's one in the north, San Pedro, um, which is actually where Lisa's from, where the church started, and then there's one in the east, which is Hernandarias. Then there's also three outreaches that were, um, the churches are working with, one in Concepcion, one in Uquaputa, and one in Chinoque. And so that's just a general idea. Um, Karen and Oscar and Vivi and I are working principally in the Lombardé church. Um, here's a picture of the church. Um, and it's also where the school is, um, the Adonai school, which maybe you've heard about. Um, the Adonai school, which is technically known as Colegio Privado Adonai, um, started because the believers in the Lombardé church wanted to use the property. They had this big property that was open, but they used it two days a week um, on Saturday and Sunday. And so their vision was to, to use this property to have the church open all, all week long. And so they opened the school um, in February 2003, and it was, it's a fully accredited private educational institution. It's under the supervision of the Paraguayan Ministry of Education. Um, the school's vision is um, to educate children, molding their character in order to serve God and the nations. And it's a really exciting ministry because... Um, our church benefits a lot from the ministry because a lot of our kids, a lot of the church's children are able to go to school, and also because um, several of the members are able to be employed there and are working as teachers or administrators and such things. Um, and it's also really exciting because a lot of people who wouldn't normally come to church are coming to the school, and then they start meeting people, they start coming to church. Um, and our church has grown huge, humongously since then. Um, one exciting story is the story of Miguel Angel, um, he's a little guy there in the middle, um, the taller guy. He's a fifth grader, and that's his brother and two of his cousins. Um, and he's been coming to our school for four years. He's currently in fifth grade. Um, when he came, his, his dad had just left his mom for another woman, and um, her name is Sole. Um, his dad had just left his mom, and the school was nearby, so she brought um, him there. It was convenient. It was close. And... Um, she was really just overwhelmed with the situation. And so um, she came in to talk with the school pastor, with the chaplain. And so she was talking with Oscar. Um, and she was really excited because someone would finally listen to her. And, and he didn't just say whatever. He, um, she was really surprised because he said, you got to love your husband despite this. you got to forgive him. And so she was overwhelmed by the fact that someone would tell her the truth. And so then she started coming to church more and more. Um, and then that, that Easter um, 
there's a week off school in Paraguay for Easter, and we always have a camp during that week like we're at right now. And so someone, the other pastor invited her to go to camp, and um, there she came to know the Lord, and then nine months later she was baptized. And so because Miguel came to school, Sole came to know the Lord, and now Sole is a really active member in our church. Um, she's very fervent in prayer. Um, she's always working with um, her neighbors and her family. Um, just a really exciting testimony of someone, a life changed, taking them out of a really dark situation and bringing them to the light. Um, and now she's doing the same thing. Um, we play a lot of volleyball at church. Um, there's a, we have a nice field where we play volleyball and sports. And she started bringing her sister-in-law, um, her, husband's, her husband's sister. And so um, her sister-in-law is 24, and she started hanging out with the young people, um, got to know the group of kids um, that we hang out with, um, the youth group. And in November, she was baptized with a group of believers. And so they're, they're in the bottom, the third from the right left. Um, so it's really exciting. Now, Miguel brought Sole to church, and then Sole has brought um, Carolina to church. And, um, and it keeps going because her father is also really interested in baptism now, um, and his wife's in the, in the U.S., is, but um, hopefully when she comes back, they want to get baptized together. And now his, his other sister, her other sister, is also really coming to church for the last couple of months. It's really exciting to see how a whole family has come to know the Lord just because um, this one, yeah, at a school. And in June, um, Carolina got married to another brother who had recently been baptized. And we're just really excited that they can start a whole new life together displaced, or after a, a time of, sorry, my Spanish, um, after a, a time of, a really yucky time in their lives, they've come to know the Lord and be revived. Um, but that's just one story. There's a lot of stories like that. There's the story of Laura, who's a fourth grader, um, who just comes to church. And her parents don't come to church, but now she's come to know the Lord and or is coming to church and is knowing about what church is. There's the story of Santiago, who lives around the corner from church, who used to come um, play soccer at church. And now his brother got a scholarship at school, so now he's able to come. And um, just really excited. He went to camp this year. Um, and is just really excited to be involved in the church. There's a story of... Um, Ugo okay, brought his whole family to church um, five years ago. He got a scholarship, and um, since then his mom has converted, his grandparents have converted, several of his uncles have, con- his aunt and uncle have converted. Um, really, the whole family has come to know Christ um, because he first came to school and started bringing his family. And then there's a story of um, Teresa, who's a sister who was a really staunch Catholic. Um, she was really against what our what our church and school was doing in the neighborhood, but then she brought her ch- kids to school and. Um, in November, she was baptized because her life has, she's come to know the Lord. Um, so we want to say thanks. Let me read this verse. It says, For the administration of this service not only supplieth the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Um, and really, um, we come with a lot of gratitude. We really want to express our thanks because you, um, you have done so much for us. Um, as we were seeing, um, a lot of these students, all those students I was talking about, have scholarships and bursaries or bursaries. And um, the Canadian Mission Board has supplied lots of those. Um, we're very grateful. And there's fruits. Um, we have new people in our church. We have new members. Um, there's families that have come to life um, because of those donations. Um, and and really, God is is made content by the gifts. It's Many thanksgivings unto God. Um, we're thankful, but God, God is just seeing that with a happy heart, we believe. Um, 
And so just a special thanks to all who have given for scholarships. And also a special thanks to all who have given for the school. We want to go on to um, a project, but we want to show some pictures of um, 10 to 12, no, 12 to 15 years ago, I'm not sure when, um, they bought the property where the church and school are currently. And um, even before they had a building, they were holding church services just out in the lawn. And then the first section was built, um, which, is, which was a sanctuary. Um, it's currently serving as two classrooms. Then um, the whole, a whole other section of classrooms was added on. And then the top floor was also finished. And so um, it's been a construction in stages. And five years ago when the school began, this is more or less what the school looked like um, with the classrooms. But um, three years ago, uh, a group, a mission, a building team came down, and they, this is what is later the sanctuary. And so they helped us a lot with that. Um, and currently, um, that's the, what the facade looks like. Um, and in that building, there's the sanctuary. Um, there's also several offices, teacher's lounge, new bathrooms, and the school library. So um, we've been building in stages, but now um, the problem is we're out of room. Um, Five years ago when the school started, there were 50 students. Um, it was kindergarten through sixth grade. And it's now preschool through 10th grade, which is this year we were able to open the high school, which is really exciting. High school starts at 10th grade. And there's also a special ed class. So we're really short on space. Um, we're to more than 250 students. And um, every year we, have to, we keep adding on a grade. So it started with sixth grade, and now we're up to 10th grade, those students who were the oldest grade uh, five years ago. Um, and so there's, there's a time crunch right now, or a space crunch, might be a time crunch too, um, a space crunch just to fit the kids in the classrooms um, to, to be able to, if we want to grow next year, um, if we want to add on another classroom, we need more space. And so we have a plan for a building addition, um, which would be a three-story building, um, which costs $90,000, um, which is a lot in Paraguayan, but... Um, Someone was saying you can't even get the draft plans for that in the U.S. Um, but that would be a completed three-story building with, um, I think, almost 10 classrooms, plus an eating area, plus some offices, and um, a kitchen. And this is a really dark um, panoramic view of, over there's a sanctuary, then these are the classrooms, here's a playground, and then in the back is where we would be building. That's a closer-up view you can't really see. Um, but in the back, in front of that white wall, is um, where the three-story building would be going on. And um, we need $15,000 to start. Um, we've thanked the Lord. We've already um, been able to receive some donations, um, and we are trusting that he's going to continue supplying because we've seen his, him supplying as we needed it in the past, um, just to see the school growing little by little and how every year he's given just the daily bread that we needed um, to get by that year. And um, so... Um, it's, a good, it's a good project if you, have, um, if you want to do a church fundraiser or if Sunday schools are looking to, for ideas. It's a really valuable education, and we're seeing the fruits in our church of, of students who are bringing their parents and whole families are coming to know the Lord. Um, another prayer request um, that our church has been praying for a while in Paraguay is that um, once the, the building gets built, we're going to be short on space for recess, and there's six empty lots in front of the church that we'd like to be buying to start um, developing those um, into like a recess area. So um, that's all we have time for right now. But Thursday um, at 4 o'clock, we will be having a presentation at, in the Campus Center Room 105. And so 
I, I've hardly had time to tell anything now, but we're going to have more time there. And plus, Karen and Oscar will be there, um, who um, will be able to tell a lot more experiences and just testimonies of what God's doing there. Um, so, as soon as the married singles basketball game is over, and I'm going to ask the recreation director to try to get that started at 2.30 so it gets over good and well at 4, come right on over to the campus center and um, we'll, try to, we'll try to share more about what God is doing in Paraguay. Thanks. Oh, and we will have some brochures um, which you can pick up to find out a little bit more and more about the building project. Thanks. taking the pickup. He's going out to take our luggage to Laban's house and then we um, and then we're taking off and these two this one and the other one which is out there uh, they're going to take all of us so we're going to meet in Gravita which is like halfway there 45 minutes or something and then um, we're all going in the back of that pickup 16 of us, all team members going for the ride of their life the rest of the way on the dirt road. It's going to be sweet. Frustrated brother See how he's tried to 
light his own candle some other way. See how you're saved. She's been robbed and lied to. Still holds her Run to the darkness, seek out the helpless, confused and torn, and hold out your candle for all to see it. Take your candle, go like a Take your candle. Hearts are blazing, so let's raise our candles and light up the sky. Praying to our Father in the name of Jesus, make us a beacon in the darkest Just doing some measuring here for the tiles, cutting some tiles for Ben.
Bless you all this morning, uh, Vic and I, um, I'm Elsie Schlauter, and we are representing the work in Papua New Guinea this morning. Uh, first of all, I just want to say bless you and thank you for all of you who have been partners in prayer and giving over the years. It was 1961 when we first began the work there. Um, perhaps many of you saw the May and June ACCF newsletter which featured the general needs of Papua New Guinea and we thank some of you have been a part of that in sharing and, and helping with those needs already. Uh, I just want to focus on two things uh, this morning uh, that are strategic areas that we still need help in and their ongoing needs. One is uh, permanent buildings for the Bible school uh, subsidies have been given by um, con the Canadian Churches for Students. There's 56 students this year, and it's a three-year program, and that's a vital thing for getting the word out, studying the word, and getting it out in truth to other areas. And the other thing I want to focus on is the literacy program. Uh, that began in 1964 to teach people how to read. If you have the word of God, but you can't read it, it doesn't do any good. So that's what we're still, it's an ongoing thing for new believers and for the next gener, uh, ongoing generations growing up, the children, they need to learn to read God's word. And those scriptures now are in, that we translated, are in the sixth printing, and the Canadian churches were also involved in providing for this printing. It's going to be distributed this year. We just thank you for your part. And um, it's just a combination of the Word and the Spirit working there today and the ongoing uh, ministry. There are now, we don't know how many, 10,000 some believers, but they're reaching out from the original area uh, where the churches were planted into coastal areas and different regions throughout Papua New Guinea. And thank you for being a part of it. Just to uh, finish on that, um, 
We, uh, Elsie mentioned 10,000 believers. Again, we don't know. Just recently, we spread out to Garoka as well, which is way out in the eastern highlands, and new work is springing up all over the place. Uh, that somebody spoke to me early this morning thinking the church is 10,000. There's 123 congregations. When we left full time as administrators in 19, uh, about 1990, there were 70 groups. And under the local leadership, we now have 123 congregations. The Lord continues to bless. We do ask as well for prayer. And I'm going to close just uh, as Elsie said. We, we know that there have been those of you here, there may be some new people that have not been involved, but who are a part of this from the beginning in 1961. We've had a 46-year tenure. Now we live in Australia. We go up about once a year. If we lived in America, we would never get up there uh, that easily, but also uh, we have branched out into uh, what we'll have this afternoon, South Pacific Island Ministries, which is a new outreach in a very different direction. Enough for that. I want to close and tell you a story of what your gifts have helped produce. Back in 1964, as three years after we got there, I had enough of the language to begin translation. And it is no simple language. There is no such thing as a primitive language. We have over 100 endings on every verb. I began translating in 64, and I pumped into my language helper, my translation helper, don't take what the big white man says. I want it like you people tell me. Like you people say it, so don't be afraid to tell me where I'm wrong. Don't be afraid to correct me. And um, anyway, we begin with the Gospel of Mark in translation. It's the shortest full story of Jesus, the resurrection, the crucifixion, and the resurrection. We got to, we got to um, chapter 1 in Mark, verse 10. And the Spirit of God came down on Jesus like a dove. And uh, we had a word for dove, which was flying around the place there, and we learned all kinds of word, new words. And in th three years, we maybe two and a half, we had pretty much of the language. Anyway, I put the word for dove in the translation. And my language helper learned his lesson well, shook his head. He was not really an outgoing fellow, so this was a real challenge for him to challenged the missionary. He says, no, that's not the right word. He thought a while, and he said, we have a bird that we have rarely seen, but uh, it flies very high in the sky. We hear the call. We hear its cry. We have rarely seen it. A few people have, obviously. It's called a nebiabuk. And he said, that's the word we want to use. I didn't argue with him. Uh, I knew he knew what he was talking about. I knew he had a reason for saying it. It undoubtedly has a mystical reason, not a spiritual, not a, sorry, not a spiritist reason, which was the spirits ruled the place till 
God's word got there. But it was, they had, a, they had a name and a story for God as well. And a lot of their legends, it incorporated Bible stories. Anyway, Ebiabuk. We put, the Spirit came down upon Jesus like an Ebiabuk. There's no problems. How many of you know that God works in 40 days, 40 years? 40 years later. We usually are up there at the end of the year, but this, in 2005 we were not. And they have major meetings, year's end. And Pastor Peter Harut, he's featured in the last report in the ACCF newsletter. Pastor Peter Harut has a tremendous gift in evangelism. In fact, they're calling for him to come in many other areas of Papua New Guinea. He got ready for the meeting on uh, that, that particular day, uh, uh, near the year's end in one particular village, well, it wasn't one village. A number came together, too many for sitting inside the church. So there were about 3,000 people sitting outside on the grass. And way in the distance, they have a little putt-putt generator working, so Peter has a microphone, and also they may have a keyboard or electric guitars sometimes if somebody happens to bring that sort of thing around or if it happens to be available. But anyway, he's standing up on a little platform built up about a meter or a, a three feet off the ground. And then there's a little shelter over the top of this little built-up platform. Peter uttered the first line of what his message was going to be. And then it happened 40 years after the translation. And out of the heavens came an Ebiabuk. And it fluttered around just over the heads or perhaps even touching the hair of a number in the congregation. And then it went and sat up on top, right above where Pastor Peter was speaking, on the little roof of that little stand that was built up. Church was out. The congregation was on their faces, on the ground, weeping before the Lord. They sensed a visitation of the Spirit of God. And not only did it only happen there, the message got out and we've had revivals upon revivals. And again, there was a revival issued forth of what God did. I was glad I wasn't there. Though I have, am pretty much third world on the inside by now, I still have that influence, the Greek influence, in our heads that keeps us from falling on the ground and showing that much emotion. But uh, they knew the presence of God. Not the bird, that's symbolic. The presence of God when he was there. So this is what your collections and what your dollars over the years have produced. A, a, a family of 10,000 people that knows the presence of God when he was there. But there's one, one more little touch to this story that makes it all the more precious. Peter's wife was supposed to have a baby 
the following month. One baby. That night, she had two babies. A double blessing, particularly in that culture. In the Western culture, a twin, when we're not expecting it, you have ultrasound and whatever, but a twin, when you're not expecting it, could be sort of a double whammy shock for financial reasons, for the care, not in Papua New Guinea, not in Walla Land. It was a double blessing to just sort of seal off the events of that day of visitation from the Almighty. What a beauty it is to see a people transformed. They were four years out of the Stone Age before I got there, before we got there. Saw their first shovels, their first bush knives, first hammers, first nails, first safety pins four years before we got there. The transformation is beyond comprehension. It wasn't what Vic and Elsie and, the few, and their four little kids did or even all that came to help us, but it's what God had in mind to do through empty vessels that could be filled with his spirit. And now that's overflowing into 10,000 people, but that's only around our area. It's reaching out into other areas. Thank you for your support. We again ask you to remember that literacy fund. That's the backbone as well as the buildings for Bible school. God bless you. Thank you so much, Brother Vic, for that inspiring conclusion. So I think you've all been touched this morning. You've all seen the potential. You've seen uh, hungry, childlike faces. You've seen thousands without the word. And you've been wondering, what can I do to get involved? I think uh, Brother Vic really summarized it here. This is not about money. This isn't about what we can do. This is about what God is doing. It's not about human strength, human power. He held up the shofar, the empty shell. Who is willing to let God's Spirit breathe through them and really let themselves be used? And it starts off and has to be with prayer. We've heard a number of requests. This is a spiritual battle. It needs to be prayer. Not only prayer for the mission field, but I believe for us here. You know, whether we will really allow ourselves to be empty, allow us, God, to use us. As we heard in the end of the, uh, the plea for volunteers for Pelham, the fields are white unto harvest, and the laborers are few. We need to pray that God would send laborers. And if we are really submitted, we could say, send me to whatever corner we're in. And uh, we need... There's plenty of opportunities to serve. We have, uh, you saw the blessing that uh, I'm sure if we had the time, the GOTM team would love to come here and tell them what a blessing it was to, to see firsthand and get involved in serving God. There's opportunities. There's a work team not only to Pelham Park was mentioned. There's one going to Romania. There's one going to, to Paraguay. But I just want to add a footnote. We were looking for young brothers to go and start building that three-story building, and unfortunately, we didn't get them. So there's lots of opportunity. There's lots more potential that we aren't achieving. So there's, in every corner where you are, as you saw, that there, there's opportunities in your town 
to get involved. There's many of people who don't know the Lord. Um, then also beyond that, we have, there's opportunities to give. Um, Brother Gary informed me this morning that so far in our affluent uh, group here of 800 people, the record at this place, we have two offerings for missionaries. Um, I hope that changes. He was also rather disappointed when he asked this morning, who's willing to sponsor someone to run? And we had, was it 5%? So I think the Lord has really blessed us. And if we would pray, and if we would ask the Lord, we would hopefully won't end up like Brother Ed with our hand holding the wallet out of the water when we're being baptized. So let's really allow the Lord to use all of us completely. And uh, we're really thankful for everyone that could be here, that could be inspired by what God is doing. And uh, I would like to ask, um, as we conclude, that uh, please leave the building quickly. Brother Ben Beckich told me the fate of teen choir is in my hands this morning. So we want to leave immediately and quietly so that the teen choir can continue. With that, we'd like to thank everyone.